Okay, welcome to Entrance's Cafe, back on this show again, because I like them so much. Joseph Olayaya. Bad morning. Nice and bright there today, uh, wherever you're at. Yeah, it's it's bright. The weather is cool. It was dull yesterday. How about London? Well, I'm I'm in uh, I'm in Austria today. It's about oh, okay. 20 degrees, sunshine all week, pretty much. Okay. So we have like a four months of summer here versus one day in Scotland and two or three weeks in London. Okay. That's good. I am with you. <laughs> So today we're going to tackle a subject that I've been wanting to talk to talk about for a while. Quite a difficult subject, and that's the subject of idolatry. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a subject that, well, actually, in the whole Bible, idolatry seems to cover about seventy percent of the Old Testament, and it's just you have this whole these scriptures again and again, God's warning these people about idolatry and punishing them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's still relevant for today. Definitely. It is even more than relevant uh, because um, everything that is going on in the world today is tied to a kind of um, uh, decision whether to accept that there exists God uh, and whether it doesn't exist at all. And God, the creator of heaven and earth, will not take it low with humanity who is rejecting him. And it, it, idolatry today may not be in the form of um, you put some two temples down somewhere or a kind of a pagan um, a statue in Africa or Buddha's uh, sitting down akimbo in India to worship, though these are parts of it. Uh, idolatry is essentially the rejection of God for something else. And no wonder in the Bible, when God Almighty gave um, uh, the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel, the first thing he said of the Ten Commandments is this. If you will go with me in Exodus chapter 20 and from verse 2, it says, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Let us put a little bit of emphasis on that one. I'm a jealous God. You see, in some of the New Testament doctrines, is one of the issues about sin is jealous. It says you should not je- be jealous of somebody else. You should not covet. But here, God says, I am a jealous God. Why is that so? 
in the first instance, before we go into the definition of idolatry, uh, I have a wife. And I believe that my wife doesn't want another woman besides her. She's jealous. She, and uh, the same thing, I don't want another man around her. So I am a jealous husband. And it is in the same instance, if you say you are a child of God, as he was saying to the children of Israel there in that Exodus chapter 20 and verses 2, 3, and 4, I am your God. I don't want you to serve any other thing. I don't want to serve any other, any other thing because I am a jealous God. And like you said, I, I believe um, in our discussion before this recording, you said 70% of the Old Testament is about idolatry. And why is that? It is because the children of Israel, as it is in the world today, who are so much interested in looking at what is happening at the other side of the fence. They are not satisfied with the God who brought them out of Egypt. They were not satisfied with the God who saw them through 40 years in the wilderness. So they look around. Even it started in the wilderness with Aaron. As for these Moses who brought us, of Egypt, who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. He went to the mount for 39 days. Uh, and on the 39th day, you know what the children of Israel said? Find us another God. Find us another captain. So why, and, is, it, why is it so easy for us as, as men to make idols and worship these idols and not... God. Like, so, so, for example, YouTube games, we, we're so happy to sit down and spend all of our time... Basically, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to use the word worship because it's strong. You know, I, I want to get people's emotion up. We worship these games... Yeah. We, we um, have a choice. Do we want to spend time with God or do we want to play uh, Halo for four hours? Or do mm -hmm. we want to watch YouTube videos um, mm. and just neglect our lives? Why? But, but, but we enjoy these things and they, they satisfy us in a sense. Mm -hmm. Why are we yeah. so um, weak in this area? Okay. You are the director of this uh, interview, my friend. But uh, it seems to me that you are jumping the gun. We are going to get there. <laughs> but I just want us to understand the definition of idolatry first. I want us to understand how it began so that when we get there to that point of, for instance, the, the game uh, thing that they so much enjoy, then we are not going to have any tr problem of uh, actually seeing the light. Now, Idolatry is the worship of an object apart from the living God or a person. You, it can be an object and it can be a person. Like in the instance that you gave the other time, we don't want to use the word worship, but that is actually what it is. What you have that you are so much engaged with apart from God is worship. 
Yeah, people may not like that definition, but that is what it is. You see, it can be your car. I remember when I was growing up in Nigeria, there was this publisher, he's dead now. Uh, they call him Alex Ebro, he's the, the, the publisher of The Guardian in Nigeria. Guardian newspaper is one of the best newspapers in Nigeria, but it is now a progressive newspaper. Um, I heard that uh, he had a Rolls Royce. And if you buy a Rolls Royce in Nigeria with bad roads, where are you going to ride it? So you know what he does every morning? I heard it, but he never denied it. He'll ask his driver to, to warm it up, and then he'll sit down inside that uh, Rolls Royce for about 30 minutes, and he has enjoyed it. He that is sat there? <laughs> yeah, he just sat down there <laughs> in the car. <laughs> That's worse than what they do in London with the Harrods, driving around Harrods from their Ferraris again and again and again. Okay, so you, anything that takes the form of your attention apart from giving adoration to God is idol and idol worship. The adulation of any object or person in the place of God is uh, idolatry. And um, also, the devotion, the devotion now to an object or a person apart from God is idolatry. You devote your life. Um, we are not talking about husband and wife now. Uh, husband and uh, parents and children, you devote some of your time to them. But do you know, actually, the Lord Jesus Christ says in the New Testament that um, if you cannot leave your father and mother and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. A, a lot of people have taken that out of context, that the Lord Jesus Christ is trying to break up the home. But that is not what it meant. What it meant is that if you cannot make them to be second, then you are in trouble. I remember, again, I used to have um, a missionary friend in Nigeria before I moved here. Uh, he was into family program. And we were discussing one day. I said, um, uh, he, he, he is a, a family counselor, sort of. He had a ministry, a large ministry in Nigeria. Then I said to him, as far as I'm concerned, it is God first, fam my family second, others around me third, and myself fourth. And then he said, no. He said, it is family first, God second. And from that day, he's a Christian, and he, was, he is genuinely a believer, but he got it wrong. It is God first, my family second, you third, and myself last, uh, the fourth person in the, in, in the strata of my interest. I should look for other people around me even before I look for myself. Uh, but it's, it's not that way in the world today. And that is the reason why we so much, and we are going to get there if you have the time, we so much even worship ourselves today 
even more, much more than we worship um, this gaming and all these other things in, in, in our lives. Act of idolatry and adultery are the same as far as God is concerned. Going back to the Old Testament again, God said that, look here, if you go and join yourself with other countries, like in the instance of Israel, there was a time they called, one of the kings called the king of Assyria, come and let us make alliance together so that the king of Egypt will not come here and attack us. And the king of Assyria, Assyria said, okay. And he gave all the goods in, in Israel uh, to the king of Syria. You know what came after that? God sent one of the prophets to this man and said, ah, you have committed adultery. Not even idolatry now. You have committed adultery. And because of this, you are in trouble. And I'm going to make sure that even you and the person you have formed alliance with are going to pay for it. So idolatry and adultery are the same thing in a sense. And when you go into the Old Testament, you are going to see that God usually brought the two together. You have committed adultery against me. And then you say, how can God say these people have committed adultery? It is leaving their God for another, trusting another thing apart from their God. Um, one way I want to let you know that God hates adultery is uh, in Isaiah chapter 46. Let me read if I can quickly get it. Isaiah chapter 46. I should have looked for it. Okay. Isaiah chapter 46. Let me read from verse 1. Baal boweth down. That is one of the gods of the Assyrians. Nebo stupeth. That is of the uh, uh, um, Babylonians. Their idols were upon the beasts and upon the cattle. Your carriage were heavy loading. I'm using um, old uh, King James's, sorry. That's okay. That is, that is what uh, the person I am. They are a burden to the weary beast. They stoop. They bow down together. They could not deliver the burden but themselves are gone into captivity. Do you see the import of that passage? People have to carry their gods, their idols, on donkeys to move from one place to the other. Like he says in some other places, a man goes into the forest, fell down a tree, carried it home, and gave it to a carpenter. Today we call him a sculptor. And sculpted an image and poured gold on it and bowed down to that image. Mm -hmm. 
We still carry these things now, don't we? Yeah. And <laughs> and he says the residue of the of the wood from the forest you use to cook your food. <laughs> Can't you reason? Can't you think that these are not gods? These are idols, immovable idols. Uh, I want to apologize to my Hindu friends, but uh, uh, Buddha friends. You see the image of Buddha sitting down, arms down. What I usually say to myself when calamities come to India is that um, Buddha couldn't save them. Um, I was young as a Christian then. I wouldn't say that today. But at the same time, I would say it is wrong. As it is wrong for the Roman Catholic Church to have images and uh, statues of the so-called saints uh, to bow down to. And to have even this, as you mentioned the other time, and to make into a God today. It is wrong. It is absolutely wrong. When you look at what made God to disperse the children of Israel eventually, it is nothing about you commit, um, uh, you lie against your, to your neighbor. It's not about you did the, the, uh, some of these things that we call sin today. It is be actually because of idolatry. It is because they went away from their God, and it happened to them. And if you want to see how God did that, he, he, gave, he gave a warning. I believe in Exodus chapter 28, and uh, we talked the other time, you and I had this kind of interview about the prosperity gospel as today from... Uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, they will read to you from verses 1 to 15 where God promised blessings on people, on the children of Israel. But they never tell you that there is one condition there. It says, if you do this, if you follow me, if you believe in me, if you obey my commands, these are the things that are going to happen. But from verse 16 downward, I think to up to Verse 56, he said, Caused are you if you do not do these things. Caused are you. And then I will, if you now go after other gods, I will send you away into captivity. I'm sorry to say this, but um, 19, between 1939 and 1944, the Holocaust. Um, it is punishment for going away from God, actually, by the people of Israel. I am sure about that. And you can quote me anywhere. So many of them that are spiritual understand this, that it is the fulfillment of God's promise should they abandon him. So idolatry is such an egregious uh, sin against God more than any other thing. 
You can do so many things and say, God, I'm sorry, Father, I'm sorry. He's going to forgive you. But if you go and then have another God besides him, he knows your heart. So let us come to today, modern world. Um, modern world today, when you are talking about uh, idols, people don't usually think about images like I said the other time, or statues like in some still backward places in Africa like they have in India and Asia. They have the Buddha statues that they still bow down to and things like that. People don't think about those things as much. Even Westerners that go to Asia to practice some of these things do not think so much about them as idols. They think about them as things that can bring them happiness, uh, relaxation and things like that. But it is much more than that. It is about our relationship with God. So today, what are our idols? I may surprise you and let you know or disappoint you and say the first idol that we have today are our children. Our children. Um... Some time ago, and I accepted this as a fact, some time ago somebody said, um, we have relinquished our responsibilities as parents and we have made our children to become our friends. Um, when you are raising up your children, that is not when you ought to make your children your friends. You need to let them know that you are their parent. And as a parent, you have responsibilities to teach them, to bring them right, upright. And once you feel to do that, because you don't want them to hate you, I've heard that said ab about parenting so many times. I don't want my children to hate me. Uh, I remember when I was raising my children, I had um, uh, some whips that I used. Uh, and I'm happy that I raised them in Nigeria before I came to the U.S. I know that some of them, even my neighbors will have even called 911 on me. But one of the things that the Bible says is that you spare the rod and you spoil the child. We have spared the rod today and we have spoiled the child and our children entirely because we do not want them to hate us. That is the word that is used today. Uh, one of my greatest joys in life is one day when my second child came to me and said, Daddy, I did not know then. She, she was having a, her own child now, five-year-old, <laughs> and came to me and said, Daddy, I now understand. Thank you for discipline. <laughs> so we have taken discipline out of the lives of our children. Can you believe it? I have seen some parents give iPhones to their two-year-old kids. I'm not joking. 
I'm not joking. They have given, they give the phone, iPhone to two year old. And they, they say, well, it's a, uh, it's a means of teaching them. Now, they say, at the same time, these parents do not have any time at all for these children while they are making money. And maybe because of that, they are afraid to tell them no. One of the best languages or words that a child should be taught when growing up from three months old and on is no. I want this, no. I want that, no. But what do we do today? Even before they ask, even when it is not of any benefit to them, we give it to them. So our children have become our little gods today. Then we have our toys to talk about today. You remember I told you of that publisher in Nigeria who had uh, the Rolls Royce? And I, know some, uh -huh. and I know some. And I I know some people also that are going to bring out their trinkets, gold trinkets. I know. I I I have been privileged to see this, uh, uh, not as uh, as um, uh, wide as um, my perspective about parenting and. Things like that, but I've seen some people put so much value on their trinkets. What do you mean by trinket? Uh, gold chains, earrings, right. rings, things like that. Anything precious to them, we have put so much emphasis on them. Can you believe uh, in a situation where a celebrity was traveling out of the U.S.? and had uh, these jewelries uh, running to about two, three million dollars along with her and uh, some burglars and robbers in Paris uh, robbed her and Kardashians or whatever, uh, the wife of uh, Kanye West now. And they robbed this thing from her. They took these things from her. When did then, this happen? Uh, about five years ago. So we have made um, these things to be our idols today. But apart from parenting, apart from toys, you know another one, at least amongst adults and at least amongst Christians today, our television shows. I know a lot of Christians that stopped going to church simply because in those days, wrestling was starting at 10 o'clock. They are not going to miss wrestling. They are not going to miss wrestling for anything, even for church. So they don't go to church. I have seen churches on the so-called Super Bowl day when the American football is the final, they call it World Cup, but it is American competition when it takes place in February, that even some churches close uh, the evening services so that they can watch the Super Bowl. Uh, some churches that are not going to close service that day 
we set up large TV sets for people to watch. So what is the difference? Uh, these are some of the things that, that are taking uh, uh, the place of God in our lives today. And believe you me, apart from the sin of homosexuality, that that's, that, that's another thing entirely, the sin of homosexuality, God is, going, is punishing the world because of our, our sin of idolatry. I believe so. So I've heard, that's the second time I've heard um, someone say that World War, the Holocaust was, um, you could blame it on idolatry. What specifically are you saying was the Jews were doing idolaters before the Holocaust? Uh, you see, the attention of the children of Israel was to be on God perpetually. Perpetually. Uh, if you go back to that Exodus chapter 20 and verses 1, 2, 3, uh, 2, 3, 4, it says, you shall not have any other God besides me. Um, we all know today and we know that one of the reasons why there is so much anti-Semitism in the world is because of the uh, uh, wealth of the Jews. The, the Jews are considered to be rich, superbly rich. The Jews are considered to be uh, privileged as far as blessings are concerned. I don't know how they did it. I, I, am not, I am not against them as far as that one is concerned because I know they are children of God. They have that blessing if they do it right. But um, at the same time, this can take away your focus from God. When you are looking, you are making money, you are making life for yourself, you can stray away from God. And much more than one specific issue of idolatry before the Holocaust, I want to believe that it was a means of making them to return to their homeland. You know that it was after the Holocaust, after the Second World War, that the United Nations, uh, League of Nations, before it became United Nations, decided that, okay, time to give these people a homeland. Let us let them return to their homeland. So I believe that uh, Holocaust was part of the thing. But I'm going to say as well that it was a an accumulation of the things of these people. Because many of them, even today, many of them have rejected God. Many of them are strayed away from him. Where is the God of Abraham they told us about? I have met some of them uh, on social media who are going to tell me I don't believe in God. Don't let us talk about God. So, and I don't think that God is going to take it lying low with them, and especially with his promise to uh, grab them back. To so, the when you're talking about anti-Semitism related to money, I know maybe a handful of Jews, but I wouldn't say they're rich, like far mm -hmm. from it. Mm -hmm. So, are you just saying that 
the a lot of the famous people in the world are, are rich and people are anti-Semitic because of that? I don't know. Maybe you got me wrong. I, I'm not saying that people who are rich in the world, uh, who are rich in the world, are anti-Semitic. But you are going to know that there is this anti-Semitism uh, uh, movement going on in the world. And the reason they are giving for this is because they believe these people who are saying, who, who are anti-Semi, uh, excuse me now, who are against the Jews, are saying so, probably out of ignorance, that um, all Jews are rich. And they are the ones that are reaping all the blessings of the world. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think of people that I know that are anti-Semitic and if that's one of the reasons, but... Um, yeah, you may, the you may just are, ask them. are angry with, with the whole Palestine thing that I'm aware uh, of. Well, that is part of it too, but... Um, uh, yeah, some people may use that as an excuse. Uh, but uh, when you look at it, Critically, historically, you're going to realize that th that land belongs to the Jews, not to the Palestinians. And um, history tells us that the, the number of Arabs in that land before the, uh, 1948 was not as, as it is today. The Arabs encouraged all the people around who um, to go and occupy the place. It was more or less unoccupied place before 1948, before the Jews started returning to that place. So, and anybody who is using that today is just being sentimental. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is the Palestinian thing. But, and if it is the Palestinian thing, then that is going to be amongst the liberal progressives. I think but I, I, there was something that was that Britain did was I think it was something called the Palestine Mandate, and that was before World War Two, and it was, a, it was a place to give the Jews a home. But I'm not sure if it was because they were worried about the safety of the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. um, but my, my history's not that good in that area. But for mm -hmm. reason, the Palestine Mandate didn't go through. Um, and I don't know why a lot of Jews stayed in Germany from, from those years on until World War II. What was so attractive for it for them? Uh, well, uh, they, actually, they, uh, those people that um, the Jews in Germany, they were there, but um, they, they took them from places like France, from uh, Netherlands, from Poland, everywhere and took them to the concentration camps in uh, mainly in in germany so and i don't know how many of them how many millions were there in in germany before the world war maybe that's another thing that one should uh, investigate but i know that um, many that died in, in germany during the second world war were brought from other locations uh, apart from the concentra concentration camp in Poland. So, but uh, you remember that one of the accusations against 
the Jews by the Germans then is that uh, they were more prosperous. They stole all their, their prosperity because they were doing better than the other people around, than most people. So that, that was the excuse. Sometimes I wonder why the Jews stayed so long before the, a lot of them left. And I hear, you hear people saying things like, um, some of them couldn't afford to leave. Like, they, they couldn't afford to, to buy a ticket and get out of there, or they, they, were, they couldn't get good enough prices for their houses. I mean, I guess some, some yeah. just didn't want to believe that what, what, what happened could have happened at the time. Well, I believe that um, it is not so easy one to shift base for somebody who has uh, been rooted down in a place and then decide that I'm going to go like that. And another thing that I believe might have contributed to that is that um, many of them did not believe that it was going to turn out the way it did. And um, probably because um, God made them to be delusioned about the things going around them at that particular point in time. Well, so, I can't say that I've heard, him, heard from God whether or not that was the case, but that's a brave position to take. And uh... Well, I personally, I want to believe that, though I did not hear from God, like you said, that that is what happened. But when you look into history of these people, the Jews, you are going to know that, yeah, God had not for one moment uh, abandoned them, either in, in blessing or in punishment, as the case may be. Unlike any other nations of the world, if you go back to the Bible, it says that you are the one nat nation I have chosen for myself. So it was a privilege for them, and they abused the privilege because of the things around them. Um, one of the persons in the Bible that I so much uh, respect is the father of uh, the nation of Israel, Abraham himself. He was a rich man stupendously rich as far as uh, today's riches is concerned he was rich if you have uh, 400 men that you pay or that you use for free fighting for you you have you are a rich man in those days but uh, abraham did not let his wealth to take away his focus from god and that is a problem today. We have allowed our wealth, not only the children of Israel, we have allowed our wealth, our prosperity, uh, to take our focus away from God. And that is coming back to the, to the original discussion of idolatry. We have allowed uh, our civilization to take away our focus from God. We don't believe that God is relevant again. But the mistake people often make is that um, even today, there is a prophecy of today in the Bible. I think it is in the book of Nahum. It says that towards the end, there are going to be people moving to and fro 
touch lights in the streets, running to and fro. You know what touch lights are? When I look at um, on TV at night and they are taking a picture of New York or Washington DC, you see uh, of highways or streets, you see light traffic lights, I mean vehicle lights moving to and fro. I say, oh my goodness, that's something that um, even the Bible predicted over 3,000 years ago. But we, because of, because of our knowledge, I would say, we believe that um, there is no God. And uh, that is the greatest uh, evil that can come upon the world. And you know who is enjoying it? The devil himself. I know that the world will tell you today that the devil doesn't exist. Because if God is not existing, then there is somebody, God, Satan cannot be existing. I had a violent discussion on LinkedIn with um, somebody in my network last week. <coughs> Bless you, my friend. This person says that we are foolish to believe that there is God that there is no God and that um, Christianity does not allow you to think for yourself. And he went on and on and on like that. So when he turned, when this gentleman turned it into some kind of uh, uh, abusing my integrity and things like that, so I just cut off from him. But what I'm trying to bring out from that is that um, that is the situation of the world today, that God does not exist, that Christianity is another form of Marxism. Actually, that is his exact word. It's another form of Marxism, that Marxism is a collection of people together to make them to not be able to think for themselves, to not make them to so be able to ask. Christianity and Marxism. Yes, I can, I can, I can send you the the oh, discussion yeah. something. I need some entertainment tonight. Yeah, that'd be good. Too. Yeah. <laughs> he said Christianity is a form of Marxism, and that we have been deceived. Uh, uh, so that is where the world is today. That is where the world is today. So you, your your idol can be anything. And anything that makes you to remove your focus from God is idol. To be honest, I've, I've come to appreciate the atheist mindset. Yeah. But let me tell you something. Because if, if I say that um, I am an individual being uh, devoid of any control by a superhuman being, a super being, God, then I am deceiving myself. Don't let us even use the Bible. The Bible says in Psalm 139, I am stupendously made. I, I am wonderfully made. I look at the human anatomy and I realize that it is not an accident. I am looking at you on my screen now. 
I am not seeing an accident in you. <laughs> I am not seeing that, okay, some irrelevant um, um, molecules somewhere started to develop and then um, suddenly became Nichols or, or Joseph. No. Somebody somewhere did this. And I'm going to give you an example of what I'm saying uh, from the story of a man that I read about almost 40 years ago. They said that there was this super agent detective, police detective in London who was an atheist, but he had a friend who was a clergyman. And one day they, the clergyman visited the, the police station in London and their discussion went again to the existence of God. And the policeman, the detective, super detective said, there is no God. And you, and you cannot prove that there is God to me. And then the, uh, the clergyman said, do you have a locker room here? He said, yeah. the detective said, yeah, we are all our detectives, all our officers change their clothes and things like that. Okay, take me there. And he took him there. And in the locker room, the, the, the clergyman said, we suddenly found a dead body in one of the lockers. And I am telling you, detective, nobody did it. Nobody killed that man in that locker. He had gunshot wound. He had everything to show that he was murdered. It shows that he, it was an homicide case, a homicide case. And the detective said, no way. That cannot be. <laughs> that cannot be. Somebody put that dead body there. And after a long argument, the man said, if somebody put that dead body there, that case of homicide in all of this universe with multiple planets and multiple stars, somebody put man there, here. And there, the man saw actually that, yeah, man cannot just appear. Life can, couldn't just appear on earth. That is why I believe in God. That life couldn't just appear on earth without somebody putting life there. And that is where we are missing it today. And that is the reason why you find liberal authorities shutting down churches because they don't believe God. And they don't, you that believes in God now, they want to make sure they do everything to make sure that they uh, remove the interest you have in God in you. So let me try and say some things that might trigger some people, but I've I've come to appreciate the atheist mindset. Not well, appreciate's too generous. I've come to I've come to understand it because if you live without God, mm -hmm. then God is not under obligation to give you His presence. And the longer you live without His presence, the harder and more callous your heart can become. So that mm -hmm. it becomes less and less likely that that you're able to sense God's presence or providence in nature and mm. creation and mm. so you can live in this bubble where in a sense you 
see everything happening according to the laws of physics and chemistry mm. um uh, the laws of logic and you mm. just like get into a pattern where it's almost laughable to believe that there could be spiritual things and um it's a very dangerous place to be because it's very hard to get out of that trap yeah and you know the reason why that is so it is another belief and once you have a belief it is almost impossible to change that belief unless unless there is a kind of uh, providential assistance for you to change so people say atheists do not believe they are wrong. They believe that there is no God. They believe in logic, human logic. And I think I read somewhere in the scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says that God has confused the wisdom of this world, the professors of this world, the philosophers of this world that believe that there is no God. One of the things that I have discovered about um, science since I uh, did my own research, in, uh, doctoral research, is this. Even science is not settled. No science is settled. And ask me why. There was a time, there was a time that uh, uh, Graham Bell invented what we know today as telephone. I remember there was a time that it has to, the telephone has to be held like this. And uh, people have to talk like this. And eventually it became something, the, the one that you put in the cradle and then put like this. Science continue to discover that it is not settled. Even science itself discovered that science is not settled. Because I believe that when Bell invented that telephone thing, he was saying everybody would think that is the end of the world. That is the end of everything as concerned telephonic uh, uh, communication. Today we have cell phones. I don't know what it is going to be tomorrow. So the, the, the science of telephone is not settled. Okay, the science of hydroxychloroquine is not settled. If in 2005, the uh, Health Institute of America, I can't, I can't remember the exact uh, uh, nomenclature now, but it is the National Institute, okay, National Institute of Health here in America, said that hydroxychloroquine is uh, very effective to counter coronavirus. And in 2019, somebody says, we are not sure about that, Fauci. The man who said it was effective in 2005 comes in 2019 and says, 
Uh, we are not sure about that. We have not tested it. You remember SARS, S-A-R-S, was a coronavirus. <laughs> and we are told that it, the, the COVID we have now is 78% relative to SARS. So if hydroxychloroquine was good for SARS, a relative of COVID-19, 78%, and we are not sure. Can you tell me that science is settled? Science is not settled. So logic is not settled. If people who do not believe in God because of the, through their logic think that, yeah, we have settled evidence that God isn't existing out of our own reasoning, then they are in trouble. I, and I remember what I said to that friend of mine on LinkedIn. I said, you know what? I am better than you in one way. Assuming there is no God and I die and life continues on earth, I have nothing to lose. But on the other hand, you are in trouble. Assuming there is God and there is life after death and it is too late for you to repent, you are in trouble. And I'm saying the same thing for everyone today that takes something instead of God to be the main focus of their lives. They are in trouble. And believe you me, this is not a matter of contest now, whether God is, is existing or not. God is existing. And we see everything that is happening in the world today having even the hand of God in it. This world government that is being bandied around, do you know that the Bible talks about it uh, over 2,000 years ago? And it is happening now. And it is like nobody is able to do anything about it. I'll let you speak, So, like, um, when I was younger, I used to be quite a quite the evangelist i had like a i used to go by university with a a backpack okay. and i had in tipex i had to use mm. a few layers jesus is lord repent now and i drew big lightning bolts on there mm-hmm. and i wonder i wonder why people laughed at me sometimes but anyway yeah. being a programmer the last 12 years i've kind of sometimes struggled in my my to get that closeness with god back and um and just being around so many people that are atheists all the time, and you, mm-hmm. their mindset is stuff like, if you talk to them like about Jesus and stuff like that, someone will say, well, I wish I could be religious, but it just seems so... Like, they, they say to me, like, oh, you're lucky that you found God, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the, what the answer to that is. I mean, I feel privileged that I did encounter God when I was 17, but it's, it's tempting as you get older to look back and that think, wasn't my mind just playing tricks on me, you know? And I've, I've actually been through a really dry season. I listen to a lot of podcasts, people I respect, but they're mm-hmm. complete atheists, you know, and, they mo- and constant mocking of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, and we get disappointed with Christian leaders. I mean, look at the one that, that wrote the book, uh, Christating Goodbye, famous Christian, he's now an atheist, mm-hmm. famous Hillsong singer, he's now an atheist. And mm-hmm. I feel like things are starting to chip away at my faith. And then you get disappointed with other people. And that's why I'm saying I appreciate the atheist mindset out there because 
it's easy to fall into that place where you just look at the world and if you're not encountering God often, you can see things just patterns, patterns, and you think, well, maybe there's not a God, you know? Mm-hmm. And I can see how it can happen, you know? Yeah, but, you are completely right, my brother, about that one. And it can happen. You mentioned something that made that to be almost possible with you, and that is your commitment to your programming thing for the past 12 years. Well, it's, just, it's just being around a materialistic society all the time, full time, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things, like I mentioned the other time, uh, some, some Christians who are no more strong Christians today, little minute things took away their attention from God, such as the one I mentioned the other time, uh, wrestling at 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, and they just couldn't let go this wrestling program. I remember, I remember personally now that there was this um, program when I was growing up, when I was a young Christian, about three or four years old. They call it Bewitched. And Bewitched will come, I think, around 5 p.m. on Thursdays. And then there is going to be that battery within me, whether I should forsake going to Bible study that evening or what you bewitched. So uh, those are the little, little things that, that are helping to chip away our faith today. And believe you me, when you come across um, the, the kind of person I, I mentioned to you the other time I, I had an argument with on, on LinkedIn, if you are not a strong Christian, then you start to doubt, actually, your faith. Because uh, they have logic to what they are talking about. They have human logic to what they are talking about. But um, <laughs> logic, logic is not going to, it's not going to uh, come to, to, to the equation eventually. Uh, for instance... Let me give you an example. Why would God say that his son had to come into the world to die, to shed his blood before anybody can be saved? Why didn't he just say, you see the logic, human logic now, why didn't he just say, okay, I forgive everyone? Can can you give me an answer before I answer you? Well, my I would say that um it shows God's mercy because if you can look at the history of the Old Testament, the way God allowed in a sense multiple holocausts to happen um from Babylon and um Nebuchadnezzar and the Egyptians and the so on on and on and on and the flood mm-hmm. You could humanity could say that God, you're you're really care about people. You're quite harsh, you know. You're quite judgmental. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they we're in this world with Satan. Yeah, and we I know we're struggling here, but by him actually dying, then that takes away all the excuses of mankind to say that um, 
God says, look, I understand the situation you're in, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to come and die for you. So that takes okay. away all of the excuses for mankind. Okay. You are almost there. You are almost there. When you look at the old story about um, why Christ needed to come, um, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, this is this particular tree that you should not eat or touch. And uh, Satan came and gave it to them and uh, implored them, or rather, and made them to see that, okay, we want to be like God. What did you see there? It was a choice that Eve made and that Adam accepted. Choice. And when you look at all of the Old Testament and its relationship with man, it was man's choice for all the evils that befell man throughout the Old Testament. Choice. People were making choices. God did not force anything on them. God said, okay, if do this. And then we say, we don't want to. No, no, no. That's not the way I want you to do it. He said, then we say, no, 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 no. This is the way we want to do it. <laughs> and then we continue. And let us take the uh, Noah's flood for an example. Somewhere the Bible says, Noah preached for a whole hundred years. Some preachers will tell you one around 20, but there is nowhere the Bible says 120 years. But 100 years, when you do the calculation from the time that God told him to the time that the flood started, it's 100 years. For 100 years, Noah was building the ark on dry land. And you know what his neighbor and everybody, all the world were doing? They were besmirking him. They were laughing at him. And he continued to build the ark. And the Bible says, the day the flood started, Noah and his family were shot in into the ark. Now, whose fault is it that God had to destroy the world? It is man's fault. And was it not the choice of the people to now accept the invitation that Noah gave? Come on. Come on, and nobody went with him until the flood came and swept them away. That's what the Bible says. But let us now bring it back to Christ. You know it is choice. Uh, many of us cannot be God. You and I cannot be God. We will have destroyed everything, actually, if we were God. But he gave his son... And the operative word here now is choice. And John chapter 3 verse 16 says, and this is the operative word, whosoever believes in him will have everlasting life. Whosoever. That is choice again. So, 
you can blame God as much as you want. You can say that he is a violent God as much as you want. Because we want God to be like our parents today, who are our friends. God is, sorry to say this, I'm not saying it in a degradative manner. God is not my friend. God is my God. He has absolute authority over me. And like children, we can decide to go our own way. And in the case of shedding of the blood of Christ now, the choice is now falls on every individual on earth to either reconcile with God through the blood of Christ or reject it. And uh, the consequences are theirs. So that is, uh, that is it. But anybody, people do not understand this issue of man-made choice to go away from God. God is not going to force anybody, okay, come on in. You, uh, now, I have four children. Thank God every one of them is doing fine. But let's say I am that kind of father if any of my children, let's say, let's say I have 10 children, one of my children becomes now a robber or somebody who is a serial murderer. And then I say, okay, every one of you, come on in the way you are. What do you think will happen to my wife and my other nine children? If I want that child to come home, let's forget about the judicial system. If I want that child to come home, I will have to give him conditions. You have to renounce your evil ways. And he says, I cannot, daddy. Am I going to, am I expected, like so many of our people now today saying, oh, he's my son, he's my daughter, I still love him or her. No. So that is, that is the angle that the world is missing about our God's relationship with humanity today. Uh, let's say, uh, for instance, 9-11 occurred. I have heard some stupid people say, why didn't he stop it? No, God is not going to stop it. Because of what reason? Because there is somebody who is in the rulership of the world today. And that person is called the prince of the, the, of the air. And that prince of the air is Satan himself. So God is not going to intervene now. But eventually God is going to intervene after he has seen that as many people as wanted his invitation back home has accepted that invitation then it is going to come to an end. Then the kind of peaceful world that these people are asking for, are so much eager for, are the absence of God will be established here. I've been thinking of why, apart from all the other thing, issues that we have discussed this morning, or this afternoon over there, why uh, people are not believing in God anymore, especially in the Western world, 
where Christianity spread to the other areas of the world. And I think um, we are often missing the point why this is so. Yeah, we are focused on technology today. We have briefly uh, uh, focused on logic, human logic, but we have not talked about evolution. Evolution is one of the serious, most serious actually form of attack against God. Uh, when you look at evolution, when my oldest child was in college, and I was talking about that evolution is just basically a theory. And because it is a theory, it is not a, a full fact uh, uh, idea. She said, no, this is the daughter of a preacher who went to undergraduate college for four years and had been indoctrinated that evolution is real. And now you stood up against the father to say no. But I thank God eventually she realized herself. But what I'm trying to say is this, evolution has played a major role in making people to use logic. Let us go back to logic again. It is logic that our friend uh, Darwin used nothing more. He had no physical evidence of evolution more than logic. And unfortunately, you know what? Some church leaders compromised and said, yeah, you know what? God might have put out that little molecule somewhere. So let us talk about... Um, uh, intelligent uh, creation or whatever they call it, instead of using the word that God created the world and God created everything in the world, including man. So when you look at, uh, if you have any time and if you think I'm making sense, you can invite me back on my own perspective of evolution you might want to invite me back, but I have my own that if I sit down with an atheist who is using evolution as an excuse, or I, I, an, an evolutionist who still believes that there is God, I wonder if there is any evolutionist who believes there is God anyway, that I can use to convince him or her that he or she is wrong about the theory of evolution. Believe you me, Evolution is still a theory today. It is not a hard cast truth or fact. But that is what the devil is using today to make people not to believe again in God. If man just came out of nothing or out of the ocean, so why is God? There is no God. It just happened. Yeah, I think... Um... I'm going to offend evolutionists here, but I think people in general that are not scientific find science boring. 
But if mm. you decide that you don't want to believe in God because he makes you uncomfortable, then evolution is a tonic to ease your conscience. No, I like that one. Okay? <laughs> yeah. That's why it's popular. Yeah. But if I wanted are... to say my opinion on evolution as a scientist, I'm a trained scientist. Mm. And if I wanted to give my opinion on this theory of evolution, I would have to mark this podcast as explicit. Mm -hmm. Because um... of the language I've used to describe this theory. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to tell you, one of the things that um, I discovered about evolution is that um, in the last 1,000 years, in the last 1,000 years, all the species in the world have remained the same thing. There is nothing that has changed. Um, um, Toads have not developed a sixth toe. Lizards have not developed, um, uh, spiders have not developed or reduced their, 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 whatever they called it, their, their fingers or whatever. So evolution is a myth, but unfortunately it makes sense human sense to people who see God as um, tyrannic. But unfortunately to them and for them, God is not tyrannic. God gave man the free will and the opportunity to choose. And everything that we have done ever has ever been out of choice, human choice. Everything. And, but God is going to come back here and he's going to judge. But what, how are you going to stand in judgment is the question here today. If you don't mind, you are the owner of your program, but I want to put this one in. Uh, God is going to judge. The question now is whether you accepted his condition for reconciliation or you reject that condition. The condition is simply to believe in the sacrificial death of Christ, that God gave Christ as his own lamb to die for your sin, for my sin. Do I accept that sacrifice? Or do I say, no, I don't even like blood, as we say today. But the Bible lets us know, God lets us know that blood is life. So Christ had to pour his blood, died, so that we can be reconciled. It's not like, um, okay, I'm a thief. God wants me now to, to stop being a thief as some Church religions will want us to believe. Yeah, after you have believed in God through Christ, you are expected to renounce stealing, robbing, or every other evil. But God is not expecting you to leave those things behind for you to be saved. I realized when I was going to be saved that I realized then that I was lost and I needed salvation. It is not like, oh, I am a thief. I have to stop being a thief. Oh, I am a murderer. 
I have to stop being a murderer before God can accept me. He knows our condition. He knows that the human race is lost. And he's not expecting the human race to find himself itself to return to him. He has made the way back home. And all that is needed of us is to accept Jesus Christ, the sacrifice he made on the cross of Calvary, to return back to him. Thank you, my friend. Wow. Dr. Joseph Ogilere, that was tremendous. I mean, I'm, in, I'm encouraged again, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that you were brave enough to topple this, this ta- tackle this subject, which, believe it or not, I've asked a few people if they wanted to talk about it, but um, you're the first one that, that said yes, because it's not an easy subject to talk about, idolatry. So I appreciate you sidestepping out there a bit, and um, I look forward to next time. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you and the opportunity, as well as the forum. God bless you. God bless you and God bless everybody here.